You're listening to the Keep Optimizing Podcast to increase your traffic, improve your conversion rates, and grow your profits. Hello and welcome. If you're looking to improve the performance and return on investment of your marketing, then you've tuned in to the correct podcast. Congratulations. I'm Chloe Thomas, the host of this Marketing Focus podcast, and it's really cool to have you tuning in. So thanks for joining me. This month, we've been all about SEO. We've got really techie. We've explored the new way to approach your keyword research. We've looked at your competitors and gone deep into a very nice blogging strategy. This time, We're not starting with SEO, we're starting with a problem. And that problem is the huge swell of new competition we've seen because of all the many impacts of the pandemic in the last year. So just how can SEO help you overcome increasing competition? That's what I'm going to be discussing with today's guest. And there's a whole host of tips, both for those new startups who are new into the space, niche businesses, complicated businesses, and the big incumbents. Uh, We're covering it all. So there's lots coming up. We're just about to meet today's guest, but before we do, please do check out the sponsors. This podcast is brought to you by Clavio, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform for brands of all kinds and sizes. Whether you're an entrepreneur just starting out or you're part of a marketing team at a multinational brand, Clavio will give you everything you need to create memorable marketing moments, building customer relationships that keep shoppers coming back time and time again. Get started with a free account today. Visit clavio.com slash masterplan. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash masterplan. Today, I'm chatting with SEO expert Nick Truman from Spec Digital. Nick's been improving search performance and driving sales for over 600 clients, including many retailers, both big and small, for over a decade. Now, we've been friends for a few years now, and I always love in my conversations with Nick how he comes at SEO from a non-SEO perspective. Hello, Nick. Hi, Chloe. Nice to be here again. Great to have you here. Um, how did you get into SEO? Okay, I'm going to try not to go too long because it's quite a long <laughs> story. So I'll give you the bullet points. Um, I wrote off my car at college when I was 17. Good That's start going to any, back. <laughs> any corporate story, yes. I won't tell you how many years it was, but it's, uh, yeah, it's well over 10. Um, the, uh, yeah, so I wrote my car. I needed some money and um, I'd just been working with Domino's Pizza delivering pizza. And of course, you can't do that without a car. So I messaged a friend of mine, a chap called Simon, who had just started his own company. I had no idea what in. And uh, yeah, turned up on the first day, quit on the first day because I didn't like cold calling. And I was trying to sell Google advertising space. And um, yeah, long story short, I was back in the next morning and he put me on account management and I spent two years there and became technical director of the business by the time I was 19 years old. Um, I was his first employee, well, first full time employee that was staying on, uh, built a team around me. I was probably the most stressed 19 year old in the entire country. So I quit and uh, started my own business and built some WordPress websites, which is how I got into SEO initially. Oh, okay. So you, you got the bug early then. I did. I did. So yeah, I would have been about sort of 2021 20, when I was, when I had my first few commercial billable um, SEO campaigns. And back then, I'll be honest, it was a lot easier. And I can safely say I always stuck to the white hat tactics. We weren't kind of doing like white text on top of white backgrounds and, you know, a small removal company with 5,000 pages, <laughs> that kind of thing. I remember those crazy days. <laughs> yes, I always avoided them because I always took the approach of 
if you t if you went down those roads of like trying to cheat the system, what kind of leads would you generate? Because somebody would say, oh, are you guys not local to Guildford? I've just been on your Guildford page. And they'll say, no, no, we're based in Edinburgh. We've just got a page for every town in the UK on the website. And they'll be like, well, bye then. Yeah. And it's, again, all your statistics become skewed. You're wasting everybody's time. So keeping it about the real things was, was always important to me. Yeah, it was the white text on white backgrounds and, you know, the, the really minging texts, paragraphs on the bottom of people's websites yeah. that had, we sell, insert, shed loads of keywords here, full stop. <laughs> what was worse is, is that it worked. That's what made me mm. so angry. So we might talk a bit later about algorithm updates. I rarely keep, I mean, you said I'm not, I don't come at this from an SEO angle. I rarely keep up to date on algorithm updates. I check them every couple of months to see what's in the pipeline, anything big, if there's any opportunity from it. But I've never, I mean, Google Penguin and Google Panda were specifically designed at getting rid of spam, mm -hmm. um, inbound linking farms, all those kind of things. Black Hat SEO, it was known as. Although the industry's trying to change the names given the Black Lives Matter movement and all these sort of things recently, which has been quite interesting. Um, but the, what has traditionally been known as Black Hat SEO, sort of doing the dark art SEO route, all those algorithm updates were to get rid of those kind of companies. I've, I've never had a client that's been stung by them. And we've then had lots of people contact us saying, why have you not been stung by them? Can we be a client? So those algorithm updates have knocked loads of people off the face of the earth. It's destroyed businesses, but it's never affected me and my clients, which has been good. Um, but as I say, it used to annoy me that link farms and white text, white background, 50,000 pages on the site for every town, village and, and, and house number in the UK. Yeah, it worked, which made me so frustrated with it all, um, if I'm honest. Now, you say it's got more difficult now, but is that down to the number of pages that are on Google, i.e. the competition? Because I always think SEO hasn't really changed in terms of what we're actually doing. So it's, you know, it's just kind of the same things, but you have to do them better. You're absolutely right. I think a good way to describe the algorithm updates and the changes over the years, and this ties in quite nice with our topic, actually, is that the technology has changed, user behaviour has changed. But Google's ethos has always been the same. They want the best website up at number one. And the way they define best is best user experience, the one that the customer only needs to go to. They don't need to go elsewhere anymore. That's the site that's going to be at number one. So when you look at, uh, you know, and if anybody wants to do a quick Google on this, they'll find lots of resources of what are called ranking factors. And the ranking factors are always things like um, low bounce rates. Because if you've got a high bounce rate, you're not the right site for that keyword, clearly. And high and low is only is it's only relative to your competition. So if you're in third and your bounce rate is 10%, and then the people in second and first, their bounce rates are 80% or 90%, something quite severe, well, you're gonna absolutely smash them out of the park. You're probably only you know, a, a limited time away from being higher than them. Because when Google sends traffic to you, they engage, and then when they come back to Google, they change journey or they don't come back. That's end of journey. That's exactly the right person. So the text changed. You know, we had to launch mobile websites, responsive websites, all this sort of stuff. But the, the approach to Google, I, I always say that good SEO is just UX, user experience. It's just the case of building the right journey for the right person. So keyword lists are not what you're going to spam into a site. A keyword list is something you're going to build a user experience around. So if someone's looking for a vegan leather handbag, um, as an example of something we were optimizing last week, vegan leather handbag, what do you know about that customer? You know, you could almost have a focus group around, you know, those few words alone. You know that they don't want leather. You know they want a handbag. If they're looking for vegan, everybody knows vegan generally costs a little bit more. So they're probably looking for something a bit more premium. Um, that, that's what good SEO is. So all these like link building farms, trying to build as many pages in the site as you can. It's irrelevant to the user. So of course Google is going to catch up and, and mature and get rid 
rid of those websites. Yeah, I always think if you if you keep at the front of your mind what Google's stated aim is, which is to create the best search results experience for each person searching, you know, what you should and shouldn't do becomes pretty obvious. Because even if you find a workaround, they're going to get there sooner or later. And the speed at which they do that is a lot quicker these days. I mean, I'll give you a really good example of that. Um, lots of our B2B clients, so we're kind of at spec, we're half B2B, half B2C. Our B2B clients, most of them, if they've been putting all this energy into blogging and news articles on their website, we've had a look at it and gone, right, we're going to give us a three-month blast. And in three months, if you're not getting traffic from SEO onto these articles, they're not ranking, and more importantly, they're not delivering leads that turn into customers, or we can't prove it, we're deleting the blog. We might have a little knock-on on traffic, but we're deleting it. It's, it's irrelevant now, and let's move that resource into white papers or, depending on the audience, content they actually need. If you look at keywords as questions or challenges or problems, do you have the solution, the answer? You know, can you actually help with this thing? And that's where good content comes in. So blogs can play a part, but you need to look at the industry and ask yourself a serious question. Are we going to make a behavioral change and have people in a, I don't know, a telecoms industry suddenly reading blogs all day? No, we're not. Marketing managers <laughs> or um, IT directors, you know, who are looking for phone systems or whatever, they do not have any spare time. And actually what they need is fact sheets, data sheets, SLAs. That, that's what's going to create a conversion. And so I think it's, it's really important to, to try and focus on that as much as you can. I like that. Keyword as a question and then find the right way, the right content format to get that in front of the customer. I'm going to pull you back from the world of B2B before we both get a bit (laughs) lead gen crazy, which is a potential. So let's come back to this world of of, of e-commerce. And we were kind of going backwards and forwards on what we could talk about in this episode. And you were saying about how the growth in competition caused by the pandemic, all those people stuck at home on furlough or going, oh my God, what was I doing with my life? Who've started their dream e-commerce business or their side project, whatever it might be, or taken their uh, retail business into the e-commerce space or other business into the e-commerce space has massively upped the number of e-commerce sites someone could buy from and thus the number of pages competing often for fairly similar products. And that that's actually causing problems on the Google organic search results? Because I would have thought the incumbents would be fine because they've got all that history. So are you, is this something you're seeing is the, the you know, it's, it's becoming a battleground, that page one? Well, let's, I mean, it's always been a battleground. So that, again, so, like we said earlier, some of the basics haven't changed. Let's split this into two groups though, because I think everybody listening will fit into one of these categories. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to be honest, I, I'm, I'm the kind of person that hates putting people in boxes, but I'm going to do this. We'll call them circles. So there's two circles for this exercise. One is, that, is, is what you've just described, that new retailer. They've launched a Shopify store or they've picked up a WooCommerce plugin and gone, wow, websites are easy. Let's start selling stuff. And then we've got the other, the other group of people in the other circle, which is the retailers that are sort of saying, hang on a minute, there only used to be five people in this industry um, selling products. And now there's like 500. And that all happened in three or four months last year. Um, I mean, I mentioned to you earlier, um, Chloe, that Shopify released some statistics that said they doubled the amount of Shopify stores in three months. So at the end of Q1 and the end of Q2 in 2020, there were twice as many Shopify stores registered in the world at the end of Q2. So literally doubling. And they are pretty much the biggest e-commerce platform now. Well, and the numbers from um, from Wix as another startup space is for e-commerce are pretty similar. The the boom in number of e-commerce sites and and that you know and then you've got all the other platforms that people could be using. It's just mind blowing. 
Wix is all right, by the way. I used to not like it very much, but just a quick side note, I've just built my uh, wedding website on it and it was really easy and fully customizable and I didn't have to touch any code. And as somebody who can code, I thought that was brilliant. So um, I've just, I've recently had the same uh, kind of revelation on the Wix front as well. Um, and I, I've had to say a fairly similar message to the one you've put out on my other podcast uh, where, we had, where we were talking about Wix and I had to do a, I may have said bad things about Wix in the past. <laughs> it's quite possible. Um, but I've had, a, I've had a look and it's really rather, rather good now. <laughs> It's like getting baptised as an adult, isn't it? Apologising yeah. for <laughs> previous like, sins. <laughs> anyway, so let's, let's go back to those yeah. two groups, though, because I think there's, I mean, I mean, as a bit of context, we work with both groups. So we've picked up lots and lots of new stores that have come to us as, a, as an SEO consultancy and said, look, we don't know a thing about Google. We don't know where to start with advertising. We don't know how SEO works. And ironically, the bigger players don't know that much either, which is why... Our industry, Chloe, is, is, is such a big one and why it's always it's mm. been expanding for so long now. It doesn't seem to be slowing down whatsoever. Um, so to the new stores, I would say that you guys, you've got a challenge and an opportunity. And it'll be the same for the other one, the other group as well. The challenge you've got is, you're right, Chloe, there's so much competition. History is an important factor on SEO. Google does take a bit of the approach and it makes logical sense. Why would we suddenly upset the top three listings if you're searching for the word TV? Why would we remove, I don't know who's there, but I'm assuming Amazon, John Lewis, Argos. If you're in the US, it might be Walmart as well. Amazon would definitely be up there though, possibly eBay. Why would we upset those few players at the top because somebody else has come into the market? So you do have a challenge on your hands, but that's where the opportunity comes in. So the opportunity you have is really to start niching up and getting really, really specific about what you do. And from an SEO point of view, that means your keywords get a bit more obvious than the word TV. So some of the keywords you might go after is the vegan leather handbag, where some stores will have, um, you know, 100,000 products on the store and 50 of those are vegan leather handbags. You might be a specialist store. And actually, a lot of the people that have started up stores have been specialists. I won't use any of the colourful language I do use at the pub about drop shipping, <laughs> but I'm not a fan. Um, yeah. Some people do it really, really well. Most people just go, oh, I could put that on the site and that on the site and that on the site. And then it's kind of like, start with the customer. Who are they? Oh, anybody. Well, you're, you're screwed. You've kind of tied yourself in a knot. Um, but most stores we find, I'll give you some examples of stores we worked with recently that are sort of new. Quite a few are wholesale and they import products and then send them out to all the big retailers in their countries. Um, and they've decided to go direct to consumer. So again, they've got a real USP. They, they know the market better than all of their competitors because their competitors are buying from them. So their competitors only know what they're buying or what they're advised by the wholesaler. The wholesaler know what each, um, each place is buying. And some of them have gone completely public with it, which is a bit of a going to shoot themselves in the foot longer term because the bigger retailers will say, why are we buying from you? You're competing against us. Um, we're going to find somebody else. And some of them have obviously hidden that name. So it's a, it look, just looks like another competitor in the market, but one who has all the best products, all the right things at the right time, and the best prices, because they can be as competitive as they want, because they are the importer or the manufacturer of the products. So niching up is really, really important, which then means, although with Amazon, you're not going to compete on the word TV or the word handbag, you can start to compete. If you had a whole store around vegan leather handbags, going into kind of technical SEO for a sec, you've got a homepage that focuses on vegan leather handbags, which is a fairly long tail keyword as you start. And then you've got all the subcategories underneath that 
again, about lots of different types of vegan leather handbags. So it might be the specific materials like forks, for example, which is a vegan alternative to leather. Um, although I'm, I think it's vegan, I might, might be talking absolute nonsense, but you get the idea. Um, you get the idea that it's, it then starts to break down into smaller chunks. And then you, as we were saying earlier, Chloe, you build your entire store then around that, the sitemap of your store, the layout of your categories, starts to make sense. And actually there's keywords associated with all of that. And then if you reach a point where you're number one for absolutely everything, which let's face it, nobody does, and the markets are still expanding on Google as well. So even if you don't um, it, you know, expand your keyword range, monthly searches are generally increasing in most industries still. Doesn't look like that's gonna slow down. The population of the world's growing as well. It's all very reassuring, don't worry. Um, but you could then start to branch out into accessories of those handbags, et cetera. So what you've got to do is you've got to look at, you've got to sort of choose your battles. You're not going to compete on the big keywords, but the smaller ones you absolutely can. And what some of your big competitors are not going to be able to do is mention any of those keywords on their homepage where most of the SEO weight is. Whereas if you just sell vegan leather handbags, you can put it across every single page on the site. Um, another client we had, had was uh, compostable phone cases. So they don't just die quickly. They can last up to five years, these phone cases. But when you are done with them, chuck it on the compost at home, completely eco-friendly. It's actually going to feed your garden now. And then just buy another one. So they've got the repeat subscription or the rest of it. But they, are, they found a niche where actually hardly anybody is selling that product. But searches on Google for that product are increasing, but they're not massive. So they then went to their customers and said, where are our customers? Well, they're scattered all over the world. We're not just going to make enough traction in our industry, in our country itself. So they've now got international shipping. So that's a few ways that I think there's good opportunities for some of the little guys. Then the bigger ones. Now, this is where we seem to get a lot more chat about this. The smaller ones are like, let's just eat into markets. And it kind of makes sense. It's pretty easy to understand. So Nick, just to clarify, we're saying in the first of your circles, because we're not putting people in boxes here, these are our, um, our sorry, I, uh, listeners, I said that just as Nick was having a drink of water and he nearly <laughs> covered his laptop in water there. Um, just in case you're wondering why there's some strange noises coming through your earphones. My own jokes coming back to make me laugh. <laughs> so our circles, because we're not putting people in boxes, the new businesses. I, I would agree with you that the majority of them are niche or niche and they've really focused in, which does mean they can they can SEO themselves up the rankings that bit quicker. You're now going to tell us what the guys who who are already up in business and who are going, why am I losing my rankings? What's going on? How they can fight back? Is that where we're, where we're at here? Yeah, exactly. Excellent. Exactly. So that second group, and as I say, that this group, we tend to hear more about this from the smaller mm -hmm. guys are just eating to markets. It's, it's a smash and grab, get what we can. And then once the plane, you know, once we kind of leveled off a bit, then we can be a bit more strategic about longer term. And it makes sense. When you start up, revenue is revenue and you need it. So the larger guys, we get this quite a lot in any webinars we run, it's a lot of the podcast stuff we get back. They're all sort of saying, how do we compete against this? You know, we used to have five competitors, now we've got thousands. You've got to, again, you've got to play to your strengths. So if you look at it in one sense, if, you, if you're the kind of e-commerce store that's not really updated the design in a while, our, internally our teams aren't very structured, they don't communicate with each other, you, you essentially have all this firepower, but you've not organized the troops you know, to, to the same cause kind of thing. And I think that, that's where it starts to cause issues. So I think as a, bigger, as a bigger organization, I would actually recommend you go after shorter tail keywords, the slightly more generic ones, and you look at it as a wider, longer attribution process. 
you knew the A word was going to come up and we're not going to cover it today. But you do, you look at it as, as a bigger retailer, you should, in my opinion, you should be looking at it from all channels, from social, you know, top of funnel stuff, TV advertising, if you've got the budgets and you do it and it works. Look at all the sort of top of funnel channels, middle um, funnel, and right the way down then to the buy ready keywords. And buy ready is where you're willing to outbid anyone on Google Shopping. When they actually go, right, I'm going to buy, which I did last week, I'm going to buy a garden swing bench. You go on Google, garden swing bench, and you're on Google Shopping now looking at the prices, the images, etc. You're buy ready. If that same company I saw on TV, I followed on social media, I've signed up to their newsletters to get 10% off, all these kind of things. If you're that company, the chance of me coming to you to buy my garden swing bench now is really, really high. And again, it's about that full journey. Smaller businesses, they don't have the manpower, the firepower, the budgets, the funding. They cannot keep up with that sort of model. So what I would recommend to the larger retailers is to build more of an experience where actually you push bundling and multiple products and high average order values and better guarantees. Again, I think I said to you earlier, Chloe, before we hit record, that there's enough dough for everybody to make enough bread here. It's a case of you guys organizing, you know, organizing the shop internally. I've been on calls this week alone. And bear in mind, we're recording on a Tuesday at four o'clock. I've already been on calls this week with social media teams. I've been on a call with a buying team. This is purely talking about SEO, with a buying team to talk about them, what products to buy, when to buy them, what categories we want more products from. Because their KPIs are not get some cool products. Their KPIs are how many products have sold. So actually, SEO is really important to them. If I can give them some stats to say, look, in January, you know, January, this is going to be big. Start buying it now. That's what everybody's going to be looking for on Google post uh, Christmas. Then, you know, forget all the kind of title tags, mess descriptions, all the normal SEO stuff. All that's important. And we tick those boxes. But if you've got a proper strategy now of when you're going to buy this stuff, Again, just comparing you back to the other, the other circle of people, um, the other circle of people, they can't keep up with this. They're buying whatever they can get their hands on or worst case with some of them as well is they've bought one product and it might not be the right product. You know, I, I started a bamboo sunglasses store on Shopify a few years ago. Great learning curve, made absolute, well, I lost a bit of money, only sort of two or 3,000 pounds, but great exercise to understand what my clients are going through. But they don't have the buying power. They're not, you know, they're not trading millions every day, every week. And that's where you guys can really excel is to, to kind of try and monopolize the market a bit on SEO to say, we're going to be number one for this. We have all the best buying guides. We're going to have personal shoppers. We can afford to have live chat and 24 seven phone comms and free returns. And they can't, they can't afford any of that. And they don't know it exists. And a lot of them haven't been told to test it yet. Cause a lot of them are, you know, one or five people you can be really competitive on these edges. So you might not be able to niche up with a whole store about one thing, which is quite quirky, but you can get that bigger, wider process. And then something I'm not gonna talk about today because I don't know much about it, if I'm honest, is email. You know, I'm an SEO expert, but if you can use email to increase lifetime value, SEO is already working harder for you because one sale becomes 1.1 or two or three or whatever, whatever else it starts to, whatever your attribution looks like. What I love about what you've what you just run us through there, Nick, is the the holistic approach that you're taking, both in terms of getting the actual conversion, because getting the traffic to your website is only step one. Getting the conversion is important. And as a bigger business, you should be better at converting than the smaller guys because you can run the live chat. You can respond quickly to customer inquiries. You should have better product pages and all those time consuming things. But the other thing which I think was really crucial, and you said it really early on, was about the team 
actually working together. Mm. And it's such, you know, when an, when an e-commerce or a retail business grows up, you end up with these siloed teams. And actually, if you really want to convert traffic for who, who are searching for something connected to your product into a product that arrives through the post to them, you need all those elements of your team working together to make sure the right information is in the right places and the marketing's, you know, taken care of as well. Because you, you know, you must have seen this as well, Nick. I find it so fascinating when you see a company doing a big advertising campaign, be it uh, in their own emails or be it on their TV or radio, and you Google the key phrase from the advert and you can't find them. It's like... Did you not think when you spent X hundreds of thousands of pounds on this ad for this product that making sure your SEO was in place for it was probably a good idea? Yeah, I mean, just just a very, very short story. And I think I won't mention their name on this, but I, I think I've told you about these guys before, Chloe. Um, they used to run press advertising and TV advertising. And I used to run display ads and PPC for them. And we had this commercial agreement. They would give me a pound for every new customer they got as long as... Um, their conversion was less than £4 per new customer. And bearing in mind, it's a paid subscription of £20 a month. And I think about 40% of their, their customers would click the button to do like four months in one go to complete a set of this thing. Um, yeah, we were smashing it. We, I, I billed them like 15 grand some months. I was doing next to no work and I told them that and they, they didn't care. They were like, numbers are good. We'll overpay you. It means if we need you, you're, there were five and a half hours on the train <laughs> from me. I was there. I was there every single time. But because we nailed it, every time they were running a TV campaign, I got their designers to put the display ads together for me nice and early. I knew all the keywords I was targeting. We, put, we also have microsites for each campaign. The URL of the microsite, the title tag, the mess description, all the content was around those things. So you'd see it on TV and go, oh, I really want one of those. What was that website? Oh, I'll just try and find it on Google. And it would go, it, the first bit was free and then they subscribe after. So it would go like free, whatever it is. Bam, we're up at number one with an advert and the SEO listing. And if you were local, it'd also have the Google Maps ping. So you'd go and, you could actually go and do it in their shop as well um, and sign up. But yeah, absolutely crit critical, I think. I love that. Great example of the power of pulling it all together. Well, look, Nick, we're now going to pause for a reminder of our sponsors and then we're going to talk about the wider world of SEO. Success in 2021 means building stronger relationships with your customers. Last year saw a lot of consumers switching to buy online, leading to surges in new customer acquisition. So how are you planning on turning your new first-time buyers into profitable repeat customers? Well, that's what Clavio is for. Clavio helps businesses create memorable marketing moments through email, SMS and personalised website experiences. And that is what creates repeat purchases. That's why Clavio, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform, platform is used by over 50,000 e-commerce brands around the world. Get started with your free account today. Visit clavio.com slash masterplan. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash masterplan. Okay, Nick, so far we've gone deep into surviving the huge amounts of new competition that there now is on Google. Now you get to wow us with your insider knowledge about the whole of SEO. So for the following questions, your answer can be anything to do with SEO, which of course does include everything we've already talked about. So Nick, you ready for this? I'm ready. Let's do it. Okay, let's start with SEO newbie advice. If we've inspired someone to take their first step getting serious with SEO, what do they need to know to give themselves the best chance of success? 
I think you need to get the basics done first, and that's quite easy to say, but I'm going to give you a, a couple of really cool resources. One you've probably heard of, which is called Google. So Googling what to do first and assuming everybody here is on e-commerce, I would go on Google if I were you and search SEO and the platform you use, Shopify, Magento, whatever it is, Google that and just search like beginner's guide or the basics. There will be something out there that will really support you. The, the sort of things you want to look at as a kind of short to slightly medium term on SEO, I would highly recommend categorizing your products absolutely spot on. Most e-commerce brands we talk to, they've walked around their warehouse with a clipboard and gone, we've got dishwashers, make a category and put all the dishwashers in it. People don't go on Google and just search the word dishwashers, not buy ready ones anywhere. They search slimline integrated dishwashers. So break it down to the things they look for. So I'd recommend, it sounds like you've already done an episode on it, Chloe, keyword research, Mm -hmm. go and do your keyword research, categorize your products by the right sort of things and make sure your nav works for for your uh, customers. And the other thing to do with categorization as well that's really, really important on this is I would also have a think about shop by and then insert the word there. And actually, do you want to end up with a shop by color, shop by type, shop by size? These are all different SEO variants. And if you can organize them nicely in a menu, a small to medium um, volume of products can be well organized with loads of great pages. So I think categories themselves are generally where you want people to land, not the products, because category, they can choose which one they want. They can use filters, etc optimize those first and, and do tick all the basics and you'll find those in the guides like title tags, meta descriptions, H1s, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, category for e-commerce is, is so, so important. Love that. And yes, this this month we've both gone into keyword research and we've gone into faceted navigations and categorizations too. So, so go back and listen to those two episodes is my Definitely. first answer. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. I like it. We're referencing ourselves. Good. Um, okay. Now, once you've started, of course, you've got to keep optimizing. So what's your favorite way to improve SEO performance? So we split everything with our clients into short, medium and long term. So SEO, we have a kind of monthly fee and then clients used to always ask us the question like, what are you going to do next? What are we paying for? When's it? In fact, we did a a talk years ago, Chloe, on SEO myths. And one of them was, when's SEO going to be finished? And of course it's not. (laughs) Um, Short term, you want to clean up those categories, get all the basics done, technical bits, etc. Medium term, that's where you probably want to bring in, as we spoke about keywords being challenges, that's where you want to really look at the UX and look at, for example, if you're running Google Shopping, I know this isn't an SEO one, but it does support SEO. If you're running Google Shopping, everyone's gonna land on a product page. Does your product page introduce the business enough and convince them to buy? Because there's always this misconception that the homepage is where everybody lands, and it couldn't be further from the truth if you've done PPC and SEO well. Because PPC will be landing on your product pages, SEO will be landing on your category pages. So the medium term stuff, we generally work on are things like writing buying guides. So if somebody searches the keyword, what size suit shall I buy? You'll probably find a guide I wrote, and I won't say who with, but you'll probably find one of my guides on there that I wrote back in 2014, 2015, around that time, still ranking up on the first page of Google for a major retailer, links to all of their fitting guides. And I hope there's somebody internally saying, who wrote this? It's amazing. Um, Because it really was, (laughs) I I didn't write it, but it was a really good piece of content. I wrote the keywords for it. Um, But yeah, medium term, I'd look at things like buying guides. Then do you want to introduce a blog? Do you have a big enough audience now? They'll actually read it and introduce any other kind of fun copy that can help make a buying decision. I'd also, even as an SEO person, we take this approach where we take the gloves off 
you know, and we have a, what we call bare knuckle boxing. Um, nothing's off the table. We can say whatever we want to a client. And generally in the medium term, we'd start saying things like, your delivery's too expensive, go and find another courier. Um, you don't have any real USPs. You just say the same things as everybody else, except these guys have this and these guys have this and you have nothing in that edge. Go and find one. Is it bundling? Is it, can we extend the warranty for free? And all these kind of things is kind of medium term. And Google's going to rank you higher if you have a better offering. That's the more of the holistic stuff. And then long term, world domination and monopolization. How do you get to a point where for your particular list of products, you are the absolute go-to number one, no one can catch you. And sometimes that's, that's about winning an award or getting some sort of accreditation, some verification where other people are looking at going, we could never offer that. We just couldn't. Slightly easier in the B2B world because you can really fight on service. Um, but yeah, with monopolization, you want to get to a point where you've just got so much content. Any question on the subject matter, you've got an article on it, you've got a thought piece. And with blog content as well, in the longer term, we sometimes actually create a second blog, but we call it resources or support or knowledge center or something like that, which then means it's not timely. You don't have to keep updating it. And we don't put dates on those things. It's just a you know, for one of our clients that sold gas and electricity services in the knowledge base, there was a whole load of stuff about how to take a meter reading and all this. It's completely timeless. And we're really pushing that content to rank for it because now, we, now we've grown and to monopolize and get world domination, we need to be at all parts of the funnel. That is a thoroughly thorough answer. It's said um, very quickly, you. so you might need to listen to it twice. <laughs> <laughs> Apologies. Now, if someone wants to learn more about SEO, is there one cheap or free resource you would recommend? Yes. Um, being perfectly honest, we've got a few, but they really they really lack substance and we haven't updated them in a little while, partly because we're so busy. So you can go on our website and there's a place called Learning Centre and there's a few guides on there. Um, all completely free. Some of them do require an email, I think. Um, but we've got a new website coming out, which every agency says that, um, which could be in the next three years. So we'll see. Um, a really good place for SEO, though, that I always come back to. Um, I don't use their software, but their guides are f fantastic, which is Moz, M-O-Z. They have some amazing guides on there. So if you suddenly hear the word canonical and go, oh gosh, what's the canonical tag? Guarantee Moz has got a guide on it, which kind of leads me on to what I said earlier about Google. I, there's not, I mean, even, even at the moment, if I want to put a canonical tag in and I need to code it manually, I don't remember code. And that's somebody who's been coding for you know, sort of nearly 15 years now. Um, I don't remember code. I Google it and copy and paste it because I, I know how the code works. I know what I'm trying to do. I don't need to remember every single character. But Moz comes up again and again, which is quite good. Um, Search Engine Journal is quite useful if you want to keep up to date with the news. But as I said earlier, I don't really do that. I, I keep up to date with technology. You know, what, what are sites doing these days that I want my client sites to do as well? Like live chat comes out. Well, that's great. Let's launch that. Oh, it's a nightmare to keep up with all the conversations. All right, well, let's get a chat bot and qualify them. You know, keeping up with the, the tech is more important to me. But Moz is something that's always come up. And then obviously the legend himself, Neil Patel. Um, Neil Patel is an absolute authority on all SEO. Um, and if you're a newbie looking to start out, you, you can't afford him. So from a competitor point of view, I have absolutely no, no qualms <laughs> in telling you to go to his site. Um, but again, Neil's got some amazing articles out there. The other thing to look at as well, if you, um, yeah, if you can, I don't know if other guests have mentioned this, is Google's releasing more and more via a thing called Search Console. It used to be called Webmaster Tools back when some of us were um, yeah, slightly, uh, slightly younger and less gray-haired in this industry. Um, but the, <laughs> talk about myself there, Chloe. Um, but the, 
<laughs> I'm just thinking, how much of my grey hair can you see at the moment? <laughs> I've only got one or two, and they're, they're coming. Oh, they are coming. But yeah, good, search anyway. console's brilliant. So if you've not got search console yet, go and set it up. There's, it literally walks you through the process of how to do it on pretty much any e-commerce platform. So yeah, go and set search console up. And on any screen on search console, there's a help button. Just click that, and it'll tell you what it does. You'll learn so much so quickly about how things like structured data and CLS and LCP work, which are a few new things, which we'll come into on the next question, which are quite fun. But um, yeah, have a look at some of those. That then links you to Google's help center for SEO, but it's not called SEO because Google don't like the term SEO because Google shouldn't be seen to be advising on SEO because it's completely organic, of course. Um, but yeah, there's a help, help center on the sort of things Google wants to help read your website. And I, I'll be honest with you, it's all back to the ethos we mentioned earlier. Best website, good user experience, page doesn't take forever to load, content's good, price is right, all that kind of stuff. So. Nice. And as you said, we're coming on to the next question where you're going to explain what on earth those three-letter abbreviations are that you were just mentioning. Because finally, it's crystal ball time. What's coming up in the next six to 12 months that we should be getting ready for in SEO? Cool. So at the time of this going out, something that would have just rolled out, which was due in May, it would have been rolled out in June, so last month for you guys. Um, or if this has gone out slightly later, it was June 2021. Um, but the... Um, yeah, the rollout is a, is a massive focus on page speed, user experience, etc. Um, we've had quite a few of our clients email us saying, Google's doing this big update. Why haven't you told us about it? And we've gone back and said, well, because we've been working with you for more than three months. So actually, you've got a really good user experience, etc. And they're not blowing our own trumpet. It's actually, you know, we, we've analyzed all of our clients to go, OK, this is this really is a big update. It's probably the biggest since mobile websites about 10 years ago. Um, it's going to be very, very important to make sure that if your pages do load slowly um, or your user experience is rubbish, i.e. there's pop ups, overlapping stuff, they're going to really start to mark you down. And in my opinion, as an SEO person, most SEO people fear these algorithm updates. I'm, I'm well for this. I think having better <laughs> websites with less pop-ups and less stuff going on and quicker page speeds, I'm all for that, both as a consumer and an SEO person. And so we're not too worried about it. Um, we, with all these algorithms, you don't know what's going to happen on launch day. There's probably going to be one or two phone calls going on at all. Oh, have we dropped? No, we're just really quiet because it's raining and we sell outdoor furniture. You know, like <laughs> calm down kind of thing. But that, that's a biggie. And part of that goes back to those two things I've just mentioned. And I might have got these slightly wrong. CLS and LCP both relate to page loading. So one of them relates, and these are all part of this algorithm update and they're all in Search Console now. One of them relates to page loads and then stuff changes on the page. That all needs to happen in under half a second. So what it might be is your, pay, your category loads and then the products suddenly shuffle because you've got a nice bit of AI software like Dynamic Yield or something in the background or Attract that shuffles them to go, ah, oh, this user was on another website earlier and they want to see the cheapest first. We'll put a few cheap ones and one expensive one at the top. If that takes too long, Google's like, well, we don't want users kind of landing on a site and clicking on something before the shuffles happened. Um, so that's really important. And then also... The other one is the other one is the LC, uh, sorry, CLP, I think it is. I'm useless with um, acronyms. But yeah, that one is all about um, what's the largest um, content painful, or as I like to call it, LPC, which is largest painful content. <laughs> Not painful, <laughs> that makes but painful. Far more sense. It does indeed. Um, so if you're listening, Google, and you want that, you can have it. But the yeah, it's, it's the largest thing. So if there was a giant piece of text that took like five seconds to load, or an image took ages, it would flag that as that the biggest thing on your page took too long to load. So again, it's, you've got to make sure every element now is quick, not just the overall page speed. So 
all coming under user experience and page speed. If you're using platforms like Shopify, you've got a kind of advantage and disadvantage. The advantage is the server's nice and fast. The disadvantage is there's very little you can touch and it's a bit more complicated to sort out page speed than it would be on WordPress where you can sort of reduce image sizes or flatten the website and all that kind of stuff. So be aware of those. And I think longer, longer term, Google's gonna do a bit more of an AI rollout, I think. My gut prediction for the sort of five to 10 years is title tags, meta descriptions, my gut prediction is we're not going to need any of that. I think Google, a bit like they've done on the PPC side of things and Google ads, they're going to sort of say, look, just give us all your data, all your website data in terms of content or whatever and products. We'll then, we'll, we'll choose how we display that on Google and where we put that, which then means people can't cheat the system with specific pieces of code or the white text, the white background, which does not work anymore. So please don't do it. <laughs> yeah. Please don't do that. Well, we look forward to seeing if that if that future comes to pass. Uh, and if it does, I will try and remember to get you back on in a few years' time. And I can comes, say I told you so. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, look, Nick, we're very nearly at the end of the show. So could you please let the listeners know where they can find you and Spec Digital on the web and social media, please? Yeah, so we're at spec.digital, which is the new .com as far as I can say. So spec.digital is the best place to, uh, to find us. Um, all our guides are on there. We don't have social media. We, we took a decision a few years ago not to be on anything apart from LinkedIn because our clients are on LinkedIn. They don't really care about us on Instagram, Facebook. And let's face it, it's not about us. It's about clients um, and their customers. So, uh, yeah, website's the best place to find us. And then, um, as you know, Chloe, I also have my own podcasts. Well, yes, um, I was going to say, you have to let the listeners know about your podcast as well because, um, because they like a podcast. Clearly, if they're listening to this, um, which is certainly one of the best, I can highly, uh, highly endorse this podcast. Um, but yeah, I, I fell into podcasting um, slightly by accident um, back in June 2020. Uh, the podcast is called Winning with Shopify. No prizes for guessing what it's about. But it's, yeah, we, we cover lots of other e-com and other, other bits and pieces and we post every Friday. So you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, all the rest of them. Excellent. Well, there you go, guys. Winning with Shopify to go and check out if you want to hear more of Nick and his lovely guests. Uh, well, look, Nick, thank you so much for being on the Keep Optimising podcast today. It's been brilliant catching up with you and getting to share our chat with the rest of the world. So, uh, so thanks for coming on. Thanks so much for having me. Always good to catch up, Chloe. So a really different look at SEO there, thanks to Nick. We were talking about how how you can go about beating the competition on SEO. You know, when you look at, when you search for your keywords, your key phrases, and you just see, why are they top? Why can't I be top? And we talked about lots of different strategies, both if you're a niche or niche startup or more experienced um, niche business. And we talked about how to do it if you've got that infrastructure and that bulk of assets that you can use to really take things to the next level. So lots of tips in that one. You can get links to everything that we discussed, the full transcript of the episode, important notes and more at keepoptimizing.com. As part of my mission to help you improve your SEO marketing, I've invited all of this month's specialists to join us for a Q&A webinar at the end of the month. That's going to be your chance to get your SEO questions answered. So head to keepoptimizing.com, click on the webinar link and you'll find out all the details and how to sign up. And I look forward to connecting with you guys during the webinar. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Keep Optimising podcast. Our whole set of episodes about SEO is now live, so please do have a listen to them all. I think Nick mentioned elements of all of them during that. We talked about keyword research. We talked about category navigation and faceted navigation. We touched on the funnels and thinking about content at different stages of the buying journey, which I went into a lot of detail with Adam on the last episode. 
And what else did we talk about? Oh, we talked about competitors. So, of course, our first episode this month was all about analysing your competition. So that fits really well with today's episode. So do listen to all our SEO episodes. And next Wednesday, please do tune in because we're going to be starting our series of four shows about marketplaces. Yes, we are exploring if you should also be selling on marketplaces like Amazon, eBay and Frugo and how to do it well. If you know someone who's particularly interested in SEO or marketplaces at the moment, please do let them know that we're going to be covering these topics as this show exists to help you and them improve their marketing. Have a great week and make sure you listen to the next episode so I can help you to keep optimising your marketing. Access everything Keep Optimising at keepoptimising.com. That's with an S, not a Z.